0: You are listening to the Tom Eliff podcast. Tom Eliff pastored for 42 years and was also the president of the International Mission Board and the Southern Baptist Convention. He is the founder of Living Word Publications. Now, here is Tom Eliff. chapter of the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 13, Exodus chapter 13. In a few moments, we're going to stand together and I'm going to ask you to read with me two portions of our Scripture text. Our Scripture text begins with verse 17 and ends at the close of the chapter, verse 22. We're not going to read that entire text. We'll read uh, verse 17 and a part of verse 18, and then we'll read together verses 21 and 22. For those of you who are guests this morning, let me say that for the past several weeks we have been experiencing Exodus together. This is indeed the Exodus experience, a time to understand what it means to be delivered by God, how to enjoy God's deliverance. God's faithfulness to us is incredible, and how can we enjoy God's deliverance which He brings to us. This morning, I'm going to be speaking on this subject, God's leadership. By the way, it is also good leadership. That's not in the title, but if you are a leader... In any fashion, these principles can have a mighty impact upon your life and incredibly multiply the effectiveness of your leadership. If I was going to read a book on readers- leadership, and I have read many of them, but the best book on leadership is the Bible, and I believe the best book in the Bible on the subject of leadership uh, is the book of Exodus followed perhaps by the book of Joshua. And uh, so I'm going to ask you, if you will, please, as we think together about God's leadership to ask yourself this question. Why would I choose ultimately to be led by any other than God? Why Would I choose or should I choose ultimately to be led by any other than God? Now, you have some choices in terms of leadership. You can choose to be led by other men. Now, to the extent that those men are godly men, there's nothing wrong with that except that ultimately, ultimately always... If you keep your eyes riveted to men, you're going to come to a time of disappointment. That's why the Bible says, don't put your trust in princes nor in the sons of men. Now, godly leadership is important. And it's important for you to choose godly people. You will become what your friends make you. And so it's important for you to choose godly leaders. That's one of the reasons why I've encouraged people over the years, apart from the Bible, to read the biographies of great men and women of God. In the biographies that I read, and I, I read, and I've read them by the hundreds, uh, I open the biography and in the flyleaf often write this question, what is this man's secret? What is his secret? Because you want to understand what is it that enabled that in, in, uh, this individual to have influence, to have an impact on the lives of Of the people. So I would encourage you to read the biographies. You're going to be led. If you choose men to lead you, choose godly men, and God cares, you're going to discover about the character of the leaders you choose. But you'll be disappointed. Ultimately, you'll find that uh, uh, men will let you down. That's why when people come to me and say, Brother Tom, you know, we look to you for leadership, and I say, I say, I'm going to seek to give the best possible leadership by the grace of God that I can give, but please keep your eyes on Jesus, not on me. I'm going to let you down. I don't want to. I cringe at the thought, but I will ultimately. Somehow, way. if you follow me closely enough, I'm going to disappoint you. Some people are led by themselves, they're so proud, they're so arrogant that they don't believe that anybody can tell them more than what they already know. And so they are led by themselves. Now that's sad because as it says in the book of Proverbs, there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is the way of death. And so if you are just a self-made man, if you just always follow your, yourself, your instincts, um, you're going to discover that you'll make a lot of mistakes in life and the path you follow may not end up where you want to go. But if you follow God's leadership, and and I'm making no bones about it this morning. I mean, I want to be absolutely transparent with you this morning. I have a purpose in this message. And the purpose is that you and I would enlist again under the banner of God. If you have been straying a little bit, if you have forgotten the importance of coming to God day after day in His Word and saying, God, what is your plan? What is your will? If you are not marching in the train of those who follow the Lord, the purpose of this message is to say, come back to God. Seek Him. Seek His leadership. Be a follower of the Lord, all right? That's the purpose of this message. No, I'll make no bones about it. No apologies to you for that. And so this morning, let's look at God's leadership. And I want to share with you from what I believe to be one of the most intriguing portions of Scripture in the book of Exodus. So stand with me, if you will, please. The children of Israel have now been delivered from the bondage and slavery of Egypt. They are on their way out of the land of Egypt. We're in chapter 13. I want you to read aloud with me verse 17 in the first part of verse 18. Look at it up on your screen, if you will, please. And then we'll just continue on with verses 21 and 22. Let's read this aloud together, shall we? And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near, For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them in the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Let's bow before the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that when this service comes to conclusion, when we walk through the doors of this building and out on the parking lot to our cars and make our way to our homes, that we will be different people than we are just now. Father, I pray that those who are following you would follow you with greater intensity than ever before. And Father, I pray that those who have chosen to follow other men become enamored with them, other men's ways, other men's plans, other men's systems, or perhaps those who have just been following along as self-led or self-made people. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they would see the horrible end of such fellowship. And Lord, that they would turn to you and to you alone for leadership in their lives. Father, I pray that nothing would distract us or turn us away from the text in these next few moments, that you would open our hearts, our eyes and ears to the truths of your word. Change us, Holy Spirit, by what we hear, and I pray it in the wonderful and matchless and saving name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Be seated, please. Keep your Bible open to Exodus chapter 13 as we think this morning about this subject, God's leadership. And I would say parenthetically, you might want to put this subtitle there, good leadership, regardless of who you are. You may be the president of a corporation. You may have your own company. You may be an entrepreneur and have your own organization. Uh, You may be thinking in terms of leading your family or leading your team or leading your fellow students or where you work. You may be leading a Bible study or leading a movement. Well, this is good leadership. I mean, after all, it's God's leadership, so obviously it is good leadership. Let's look at the principles of God's leadership. Number one, look at it. God's leadership is good leadership because it is God's leadership is character-sensitive. Now, what do I mean by that? God takes into account who you are. God takes into account what you need. God takes into account what you are able to stand and what would cause you to crumble. God takes all that into account when He leads you. Look again at the Scripture, if you will, please, verses 17 and 18. Here the children of Israel have been delivered from the bondage, from the slavery, from the horrible cruelty those days in Egypt. If they could stand up on a hill and look back into the land of Egypt, they would see a land that was more devastated than any country has ever been devastated by war. Cattle were dead. Uh, Rodents, animals were, were in heaps. The land had been ravaged uh, and now people had died. The firstborn in the home of every Egyptian had died. I mean, this had been a terrible time. You would have thought that Pharaoh would have relented long ago and released the children of Israel from the bondage and slavery of Egypt, but he didn't. And now the land is in shambles. If you could cup your hand over your ear, you could hear the wailing of people in the homes of the Egyptians. You could hear them urging the Israelites to go out. You could find weeping even in the home of Pharaoh as the children of Israel, the Bible says, went out with a high hand, praising God. They had been set free. What could be greater than that? I mean, they were on their way back where they belonged, on their way to the land of promise. There was a straight way, there was a short way. That way led through the land of the Philistines, but who were they? I mean, after all of them, in a mere 40 years, they're going to go into the land of Canaan and eat up the giants like bread. What could the Philistines be to them? As a matter of fact, later on in their history, one man would put thousands of them to flight. But the Bible says that God apparently knew something about Israel that Israel didn't know about itself. The Bible says that God did not lead them through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people see war. They repent when they see this war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people in a roundabout way, the Scripture says, through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And let me say it again. God's leadership... Listen carefully now. Don't let anything keep you or distract you. God's leadership is character sensitive. Now, here's the truth that I want you to see, and I hope you'll write this in the margin of your Bible or across your heart. God leads with an intimate knowledge of who you are and a determined purpose to help you become what you should be. When you follow God, He is leading you with an intimate knowledge of who you are and a determined purpose to help you become what you should be. Now let me give you a tragic and yet a very vivid illustration of this fact. Some years ago, a personal acquaintance of mine, asked me if I would join with him in praying that he would would get a new job. He was a businessman. He didn't like the job that he was in. And so we began praying together that God would lead him out into a new position, a new work. And we prayed, as I recall, for almost a year, and we talked together frequently, and one day he came to me, and he said, Brother Tom, he said, I believe God has done it. And he told me how there had been an opening and how he had applied for it and how he and his wife had prayed together about it. And he said, Preacher, you've prayed, I've prayed, my wife and I have prayed together. He said, This opening has come. He said, I sense that everything about it is right. He said, "Uh, uh, I'm going to go down and accept what has been offered to me, and he did. And uh, for the first few months, he was deliriously happy. I mean, it involved not only an increase in pay, but an increase in responsibility. And then, now listen, and then came the time of testing. I mean, it really got tough for him. He had to deal with personnel problems. He had to deal with financial problems. He had to deal with personality problems. It seemed that he was constantly seeking from his, uh, the upper echelon of leadership in that country, some cl- uh, company, some clarification in regard to his work. And he said to me on more than one occasion, he said, you know something about this job? He said, Brother Tom, he said, you prayed with me that that I'd get this job, and my wife and I felt like it was the Lord's will. He said, I want to tell you something about this job. He said, this job is, 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 he said, man, it keeps me on my knees. He said, it just seems like every day I'm having to go before the Lord. He said, I'm seeking what he's wanting me to do in the word. He said, I'm having to pray for people. I'm having to pray about my attitude. He said, it just keeps me in prayer. Well, that continued. Now listen, after a while, he grew weary of that. He said, Brother Tom, he said this, he said, I've never had a job that kept me on my, keeps me on my face before God like this one does. He said, I am really getting tired. And then, listen to this, he began seeking a way to bail out. Well, it wasn't very long before another opportunity presented itself. He didn't really talk to his wife. I know that I never prayed with him about it. I just know that one day he showed up at church and said, Preacher, I got a new job. I said, I got more money. He said, I'll tell you this, it's not gotten near the problems with it that my other job has. So it must be God. Well, not necessarily. It wasn't very long before this man who didn't have to stay on his knees, who didn't have to stay before the Lord in prayer, who didn't have to seek God's will on a day-by-day basis regarding his own attitude or the problems he was having with other individuals. It got so that this man had a little time on his hands. And you know what he did with that time on his hands? He developed a relationship with another woman there at the company. And it wasn't very long before his family began to fall apart and ultimately became unraveled. And finally, he left his wife. He married this other woman. He met at this new job. And two families were destroyed, and life was a shambles. Now listen carefully. When God leads you someplace, it is with your character in mind, your heart, what's going on in your life in mind. What this man didn't know, or at least he didn't take into account, was that that job God had led him to was a job that required him to stay so shut up to God that he wouldn't have time to chase fantasies which were buried deep in his heart. That hard job, that difficult job, was really what God had given him to protect him from the evil that was within his heart. Now, what are we saying? God's leadership is what? Character sensitive. It is character sensitive. He leads with an intimate knowledge of who you are and a determined purpose to help you become what you should be. God knew the children of Israel. They, they were so happy about being delivered, but if they got in that land of the Philistines, he knew the first thing to happen there'd be a battle. They'd say, man, we haven't fought. We don't know how to fight. Let's turn around and go back to the land of Egypt. God knew that, and so God said, we're going, I'm going to take you on a roundabout way so that I can grow you up before you fight your first battle. God's leadership is character sensitive. So is good leadership, by the way secondly god's leadership tends to order rather than chaos god's leadership tends to order rather than chaos look with me at the last part of verse 18 interesting statement and the children of israel went up harnessed out of the land of egypt now that doesn't mean that they had leather harnesses on them like you'd have on a horse. If you look at that word in the original language of the Scripture, it means literally by rank or rank and file. Actually, it refers to the way that an army marches along. Some people would even say this means by ranks of five as an army would move forward. Now, here's what I want you to see. Contrary. To what you may see in some motion picture about the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt and their moving through the wilderness, it was really done in very orderly fashion. They were organized in such a fashion as they began to move out, they were harnessed. They moved like an army move. They move in ranks. They move in files. They have an understanding of who they are, where they are, where they are supposed to be. They could give an account for everyone. They moved in order. Now, let God impress this truth upon your heart. Those who follow God you're following God. Those who follow God will find that he leads according to his nature. He's not going to do something contrary to his nature. God's nature is to order. If there's any chaos in the universe, it's because of the curse of sin. It began with order, always order, always pattern. God isn't God of order. God is a God of pattern, not chaos. God takes chaos And makes order out of it, as a matter of fact. And so those who follow God will find that He leads according to His nature. Now, listen, they will discover the rest and peace of order in the midst of the most confusing situations. I do a lot of counseling um, of folks who are getting married. Right now, I think there are four or five couples that uh, are coming to see me. We're going to have a lot of weddings here in this church in the next uh, several weeks, and of course, that's pretty normal. That's pretty that's pretty natural. Others on our staff council as well. Now, here's what I want you to want you to hear. You know, sometimes couples come to me and they start talking to me about. Um, their relationship with one another. And the more I listen to them talk, the more I realize there's something wrong with this relationship. Well, what is it? Well, it's just chaotic. Something's always wrong. They try to fix this. Just about the time they get fixed, that fix, they try to fix something else. And they've got problems. They have little discussions with each other. And then they have little discussions, you know, with families. And then they have discussions about it. And it's just constantly, I mean, there's constantly a hubbub. There's constantly a turmoil. And when I see that happening in their life, I put on some emotional and spiritual breaks. Because, you see, when God is at work in a situation, it moves to order, not disorder, not chaos. I've seen this happen when, when husbands and wives start talking about some new adventure that they're going to go on. Maybe it's, it's a change in vocation. Maybe, you know, whatever it is. And then I see things begin to fall apart. And, and first of all, there's this string that comes unraveled, and they can't figure this out. And then the finances come apart, and boy, they, they dash around, and they do this, and they take this emergency effort, and, they, uh, and then they take this card, and they try to play this card, and they, they try to solve this, and they try to improve this rating over here, and they're just chasing around, trying to do something that's impossible for them to do unless they stop and get with God. Because you see, God tends to order not chaos. And there are people here in this auditorium this morning and people watching on television, listening on the radio, and in your life there's terrible chaos. It's just chaotic. I mean, it's just, you you just, you can't, you, you say, man, you don't know all the problems I've got. You don't know how things are falling apart in my life. Well, listen, you sign up for God's leadership because God's leadership tends to order and not chaos. If you could have watched the children of Israel, we're gonna see them as they make their journey through what we call the wilderness on their way to the land of Canaan. You're You're going to be impressed over and over and over again at how this incredibly large number of people can move together, and it's because there is order, not chaos. God's leadership. Good leaders, by the way, don't continually just drop bombs in their organization, which create chaos. Neither does God. He may drop a statement in. He may show them a purpose that'll cause them to ask questions. But God's leadership tends to order rather than chaos. And if you have a life right now that's confusing and chaotic, you need to stop and say, Lord, wait a minute. I need to find you. I need to find your leadership in my life. All right, number three. God's leadership, and by the way, good leadership, at the same time, will always be in fulfillment of promise. God's leadership will always be in fulfillment of promise. You know a good parent does that. If If you're a parent who has studied and wants to practice godly parenting skills, you know as well as I do that the way to train children, to rear them, is not to let them get in trouble and then lecture them about how stupid they were to do that. A lot lot of children, they never are disciplined until they get in trouble, and they're never told that that's gonna create problems for them until it creates problems for them. What does a good parent do? A good parent sits down and explains the principle explains the expectation makes the promise look if you will do this follow this here's what's going to happen but i can tell you if you choose to disobey that if you choose to rebel and follow this way this this is what's going to happen over here there's always this clear explanation of the end result. Then when the child chooses to disobey, chooses to rebel, the parent steps in and says, well, you had complete knowledge. I explained to you if you did that, this is the discipline that was going to result. I love you too much to let you get by with it, and so I'm going to discipline you. Now that's the way a good parent responds in, in, in terms of raising a child. Well, God is certainly a better parent than any of us. He's absolutely perfect. Our Heavenly Father is absolutely perfect And so God constantly, in terms of leading us, (laughs) listen, the term leader means he's in front. The term leader means he's out there before we are. That's what a leader is. And he shares with us what he has seen. He shares with us where we are going. He shares with us what we can expect. The Bible says that God does nothing but that he tells his prophets first. That's interesting, isn't it? so that we can live by faith and so good leadership does what it's always in fulfillment of promise and god's leadership is always in fulfillment of promise look with me if you will at verse 19 why why would he just drop this into the scripture this statement about moses taking the bones of joseph with him and moses took the bones of joseph with him for he had straightly sworn the children of israel that is joseph had saying and by the way this is in genesis chapter 50 saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones up from here with you. 430 years before this event, as Joseph lay dying, he said to his family, it might take a while for this to happen, but you count on this. God has promised one of these days you're going to leave Egypt and go back where you belong. God's going to take these 12 boys, sons of Jacob, and their families, these boys who misbehaved. They had seen so much of their daddy as Jacob as opposed to Israel. They started acting like the the old Jacob, and they sold their brother into slavery. They committed murder. They committed adultery. I mean, some awful things, and they weren't fit to be in this promised land, so God took them to Egypt to straighten them out. Joseph knew that, and so Joseph said, "'Listen, boys, one of these days "'you're going to head back to Egypt.'" I'm about to die. Take my bones, don't bury me in the lone prairie. Take my bones back to Israel, back to Canaan, and bury them. It's going to happen. The promise that one day they would be out of Egypt and in Canaan. I'd like for you, if you will, to open your Bible. Just turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And I want you to see why God led the children the way God led the children of Israel. I'm going to begin reading with verse 1, Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is the synopsis. This is the Lord's summary of why He has done what He's done. He said, All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do, that you may live and multiply, go in, possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And listen, and he humbled you and suffered you to hunger and fed you with manna which you knew not, neither did your fathers know. Here's here's the reason now, here's the purpose. That he might make you know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God does man live you know what this says to me this says to me that it's important that I get in the Word of God and find out what God is saying about me and where I'm going and what he has for me out in the future it means that if I'm a parent it's important for me to get in the Word of God and find out what it is that God says about the way I should deal with my children and what I can expect as a result of that out in the future because God leads according to promise his leadership will always be in fulfillment of what he has said he will do and where he has said he will take you now let's look at one more characteristic of God's leadership this morning perhaps this is the most important and that is that God's leadership is available to all who turn to him with a heart to follow in other words this morning Your life may be chaotic. You may have made mistakes. You may have followed men. You may have followed yourself. You may be in a huge mess. You may say, Brother Tom, my desk is filled with bills. My life is a shambles. My relationship uh, quotient right now is at an all-time low. Things are falling apart in my life. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. Let me tell you something. You can get God's leadership. That's right. You can't undo that, but God can help show you the way to handle it. And you'll discover, in short order, He can deliver you. You see, you can't go back and unlive the life that you've already lived, but from now until you meet Jesus, you can live the life He wants to y- you to live under His leadership. And God's leadership is available to everyone who turns to Him with a heart to follow. Look with me, if you will, please, at verses 20 and twenty-two through 22. They took their journey from Succoth. They encamped in Ethan in the edge of the wilderness. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. You remember this. And by uh, to lead them in the way by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. I look this way and listen very, very hard. Listen hard to this. When the children of Israel went out of the land of Egypt, God was before them this pillar of cloud by day, this pillar of fire at night. When they got to the Red Sea, and we're going to get there ultimately, when they got to the Red Sea and they saw the enemy encroaching, they discovered that God moved around behind them and separated between them and the enemy. He not only is the Alpha, He's the Omega. He's not only the A, He's the Z. The beginning, He's the end. And so they discovered something new about God, and that was that He's not just out front, He's also behind. He's the captain, and he's the one who brings up the rear. Later on, as the children of Israel are in this journey, they discover something else about God. He's not just out there in front. He's not just behind them, but he desires to dwell in the midst of them, just like Jesus wants to dwell in the midst of your heart. He desires to dwell in the midst of them, and so ultimately, they had this tabernacle which was right in the middle of all these people as they went through the land, went through the wilderness. Turn with me to the last chapter of this book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 50. Notice how the children of Israel made their way. I'm going to begin reading with verse 36. When the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. In other words, they got up every morning, they went to bed every night, looking where? Toward the center of the camp where there was a tabernacle where the cloud was. If they got up in the morning and the cloud had moved, they moved. If it was there, they stayed there. Notice what it says, verse 38, For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day, fire was upon it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. The key was that they were to be where God was and go where God was going. Now, here's the principle. When you follow God, when you follow Him, He strengthens and He brings joy to your heart. He rejoices your heart. But when you turn away from following Him, He brings disciplines which reveal your heart. The Bible says in one place that God left Him for a time that He might know His heart. And let me say it again, when you're following God, you get up, you look to see where God is, what God is wanting to do, you follow his leadership, you'll get joy, you'll have strength, you'll have peace in your life. You turn aside to your own way as the children of Israel did at Sinai. What's going to happen? He's going to bring a discipline into your life that reveals your heart. You turn aside as Moses did when he struck the rock twice. We're going to see about that. God brings disciplines in your life to show you your heart. So what's happened, listen, what's happening in your life right now if you are truly a believer in Christ is that you are following the leadership of the Lord and as a result, you have joy in your heart, you have strength in your life, you have purpose in your life, or God is at work disciplining you because you've turned aside from His leadership. And the purpose of this discipline is to show you what's really in your heart. Does that make sense to you? Sure it does of course it does now you have to decide whether you're going to follow his leadership or your leadership or somebody else's leadership if you follow your leadership just remember this that god resists the proud he stiff arms the proud he gives grace to the humble those who follow him but he stiff arms the proud And you can go on following your way or some other man's way, some other person's plan for your life. And as long as that's happening, you're gonna be walking in discipline. God is gonna be at work, showing you what's in your heart, seeking to bring about a change. You may do like the children of Israel, you may end up having to walk around Mount Sinai many, many times before you get it right and can move on. But once you say, God, I surrender to you, your plan for my life, your call for me, your purpose for my life. I bow before that. I only want what you want for me. Then God will bring joy and strength to your heart. So choose. You can choose other people to lead you. You can choose your own self, and the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Or you can choose the Lord's leadership in your life. Let's pray together. Father in heaven. How I pray trusting that in this moment of invitation, your Holy Spirit at work in this place will bring us to this time of decision. Lord, I pray that you would keep our attention riveted, keep it focused upon you, upon your desire for our heart in this moment. Lord, I pray that not one of us would leave this place without having surrendered to you, said yes to you. And Lord, I pray that today... There would be those who would say, all of my life, I've, I've just done my own thing. I've turned away from God. But this morning, I surrender to Him. I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior and as the Lord of my life. And so, Father, this invitation we offer to you, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. In a few moments, we're going to stand. The choir is going to lead us as we sing a hymn of invitation. This is God's invitation to you. I'm going to voice it, but it's really God's invitation to you. Dear friend, if you would say this morning in your life, you know, I don't have the confidence if I died, I'd go to heaven. I'm consumed with the thought that uh, that's not a settled issue in my life. And more than anything else in all this world, what I want to know is that my sins are forgiven and that I have eternal life and peace with God have his purpose in my life if your heart's desire is to know what we call salvation being delivered from yourself and where the sins will, of your life will take you and sin in your heart will take you experiencing his deliverance only Jesus can deliver you from that because the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord you see Jesus died on the cross for you he's risen from the grave he is alive and he wants to come make his place in your heart in the very center of your life He wants to give you the leadership that you need in your life. And he wants to take you to heaven forever when you die. This is your invitation to say, that's what I want. Our counselors will be here at this altar. Would you do this? Would you make up your mind in your heart this morning that when we stand as a a part of standing, just as a part of standing, that you'll make your way to the aisle, you'll make your way forward, and you'll just come say to one of these counselors, I want to trust Jesus today i'm trusting jesus today and they'll talk with you and give you some information which will help you grow in your faith and you can know god's leadership god's love god's salvation you can know that before you leave this place in less time than it takes me to tell you you can experience that i'm trusting jesus would you say that i'm trusting jesus today and when we stand come say that to one of these counselors It could be that you're not a member of this church and God's spoken to your heart. You may be here for the first time. You may have been here many times. But God's leading you. Now, you can turn aside. But God's leading you. He's just given you that prompting in your spirit, saying, this is your home. This is where you belong. I would urge you to follow his leadership. Step to the aisle, come as a family, come as an individual, come as a couple single, married, young, old, come to this altar, find a counselor, say, look, I want to join this church. We want to join this church. We're believers in Christ. We follow His command to be baptized. We want to join this church. Well, I would urge you to make this decision this morning. Now, others are going to be coming. Our counselors are be coming, Our prayer warriors will be coming. I'm going to ask those who've made decisions in recent days, such as those who were baptized this morning, to come and be seated over here to your right where it says seating for new members so we can introduce you at the close of the service. You may have joined our church in recent days. Your invitation to say yes to Jesus. And this altar is open for you to come and just kneel and pray and say, Dear Lord, I want your leadership in my life. I want your way in my life. Let's stand together. Father in heaven, I pray, trusting your Holy Spirit will move in our hearts just now. Bring to this altar all those who'll be saved and all those who'll follow you, all those who'll say yes to you, all those who surrender to you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's begin singing. People are already coming. You just begin singing with this choir. Today I'm saying yes to Jesus. That's it. God bless you. Amen.